Good morning, Calvary. My name is Sai, and I'm glad that you all are here with us this morning, even if we are joining online. Happy New Year, and I hope you all had a great Christmas and got to enjoy time with family, and I hope you all are staying uh, safe and healthy wherever you are at. If you're here this morning, I was going to have a little crowd participation with you all um, in good student community fashion, but you can still participate at home even though I can't see your all's response. And so what I want you to do is I just want you to simply raise your hand if you've ever heard any of these proverbs or words of wisdom or phrases before. So our first one, give a man a fish, you feed him for a day, teach a man a fish, you feed him for a lifetime. Just raise your hand again if you're at home. I'm just going to read through a few of these. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Don't make a mountain out of a molehill. Don't put off tomorrow what you can do today. And last but not least, the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. And can I get an amen on that one? I don't know if that one technically is a proverb or not, but it sounds true, and especially after Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's parties, and all the different get-togethers you've had with friends over the past few months, um, I think many of our stomachs are very happy. But many of us, I think, have heard at least most of these Proverbs before, if not two or three. And even if you haven't heard these Proverbs before, I think it's pretty easy to put two and two together to kind of figure out what in the world does that saying mean, to not make a mountain out of a molehill or that whole fish equation that we talked about. So I'm going to start with just one simple one. Don't put all your eggs in a basket. Now, many of us might not have collected eggs before. I've collected eggs. I married into a family with um, some chickens, and so every now and then when I go to visit them, I've got to collect the eggs. So this phrase, if you think about it logically, you're collecting all the eggs, and you put them into one basket or one bucket, and you're taking them from A to B, and you drop it, all the eggs are probably going to break. You got no more eggs and that was a waste of a trip and a waste of a bunch of eggs. But if you take them in two separate baskets and you maybe take two trips or you only drop one and not the other, you've still got some eggs. And so with this little piece of advice, people often use this phrase, don't put all your eggs in one basket, to try to give someone advice of, hey, like, make sure you've got multiple options. Don't just put all your stock in this because if that doesn't fail, you're gonna want a plan B. You'll often hear people give this advice if someone's picking colleges, like, hey, you know, don't just register for, or, you know, sign up for Purdue and everything. Make sure you try a few different colleges in case you don't, in, don't get in there, because you don't want to delay the process, and you don't want to have to wait. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Or a more simple proverb, don't put off today, don't put off till tomorrow what you can do today. A lot more straightforward, and we can quickly learn from this lesson don't procrastinate. Or another lesson you can learn from this one is don't take for granted the time that you have today because tomorrow is not given. And as Americans and just as people and in general, we really enjoy these simple statements, these proverbs of quick wisdom that can help us get through our different moments of our lives. Easy advice that we could give someone else and they often can be really catchy too. And through the month of January, we're going to be going through different proverbs and um, learning how we can gain wisdom out of these Proverbs. One of my favorite Proverbs is Proverb thir Proverbs 13.4. It's actually on my desk, on a brick on my desk from uh, something that we did in baseball when I was in college. It says, Lazy people want much but get little, but those who work hard will prosper. 
Lazy people want much but get little, but those who work hard will prosper. And we get that, right? Like if you work hard, you'll be successful. If you're in school and you work hard, you're going to get good grades. In your job, if you work hard, you might get a promotion or at least keep your job. If you're lazy, you might want all those things, but it's, you're not going to earn it. It's just not going to be given to you. However, I think you and I can probably think of someone who's maybe worked very, very hard. Maybe you've seen the way they work and their work ethic is 10 times harder than you've ever worked. But yet they're in a position that it doesn't seem like they're prospering, like that proverb says. Or on the flip side, you know someone who is very lazy, maybe hardly worked a day in their life and they're very financially well off and they're comfortable. And you look at that proverb and you might think, that's just not exactly true. And that's all right. Because a proverb doesn't exactly state exactly how everything is going to play out. And it's more of an understanding of the way life typically works. And again, it is a piece of advice. I saw it said somewhere that a proverb is a proverb, not a promise. A proverb is a proverb, not a promise. Not helpful when you define proverb as a proverb. So one way we might define proverbs or what a proverb is, is a general statement about the way the world normally works. A general statement about the way the world normally works. If you do A, generally B will happen. And when it comes to scripture, there's a large connection between these proverbs that we're talking about and the word wisdom. That if you do this, it is wise. If you take this step and do A and B, then you are doing the wise thing. And that is what the, word, the book of Proverbs is all about. It's all about wisdom. Now, this word wisdom is one that we talk about a lot. It's one of those churchy words, and whenever we talk about Proverbs, of course, the word wisdom comes up. And I think there's a lot of words like that, like faith and grace and redemption and all of these things that are really good words. But if we try to define them or explain them, it might take us a minute. They just kind of come naturally as we talk about them in church. And so I want to take a minute to just kind of think about what does wisdom mean? Maybe when you think of wisdom, you think of an older person with gray hair who's got a lot of life experience. They've learned a lot from their life, from the good, the bad, the ugly, and maybe they've even shared that experience with you. Maybe you think of wisdom as someone who's maybe a bit more quiet. That quiet person you know that doesn't really say much, but when they do, they ask the right question at the right time. Or when they speak up, it is the right thing that needed to be said. They didn't say a lot, but it was wise because it felt wise because it just felt perfect timing, perfect words, and it wasn't too much. Or maybe you think of wisdom as someone who just really knows a lot. They're really well-read, they've studied hard, and they really know a lot about the areas that they work in or that they've studied. And you trust them and you find wisdom in that. And a large part of that is what wisdom is. A large part of it is knowledge. A large part of it is experience. But where wisdom separates itself from knowledge is action. I'll say that again. Where wisdom separates itself from knowledge is action. In other words, you can know the right thing to do. You can have all of the right knowledge. You can have all the right opinions or the right beliefs. But if you're not doing anything about it, that that is not wisdom. It's just knowledge. It's just stuff in your head. And the book of Proverbs says that if you're not acting 
on that knowledge. You might even be acting foolishly. And so the call of this book, the book of Proverbs, a book filled with simple statements about ways that we can live our lives and learn to be more and more like God, the call of it is to gain this knowledge and to gain understanding, but to act on it. To not just learn stuff, but to live based off of that knowledge. And so this is what the writer of Proverbs, Proverbs 1, 1 through 7, calls us to. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction and prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and justice. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And there is a lot to be said in these just seven verses. I mean, it's the opening verses of the whole entire book of Proverbs and so much to unpack here. But I really want to focus in on two verses in particular this morning. Verse 7 and verse 5. And while it might seem a little odd to start with verse 7, that's the one I want to focus in on first. The fear, of the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Solomon himself says that this is the beginning of knowledge. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And this is a phrase that is used numerous, numerous times in the Bible. Fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord. We must fear God. And I think today when we hear that, we get a little uneasy. We're like, I don't want to be scared of God. Like, God is love, and I want to love him. That's not, that doesn't seem right. But I want us to think about it like this this morning. And this is a much larger conversation, and this could be a message in and of itself. It was one we talked about in student community for a whole entire day. But for right now, I just want you to think of fear as awe and worship of God. Like, when you think about who God is, you think about the fact that he is the creator of of the universe, that he is eternal, that he is holy, that he is bigger than anything we could ever wrap our heads around, when you truly try to take a step back and think of God, who God is, your only response should be to be in awe of him, to worship him. In, re in reality, too, if you were face-to-face -face with God, you would drop to your knees out of fear because you're in his presence. So fear of God is equivalent to the awe and worship of God. And so when you read verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom, you might understand it also as worshiping God is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. And that might sound really simple, but I think it is very, very important that we start with that. For two reasons, many reasons really, but two I want to focus on right now. And one is that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We live in a day and age with a million confusion, or a million opinions, a million debates, and confusion all around. Everyone's got their own truth and their own this and that. But if we go to God for the source of our guidance, for truth, for knowledge, for wisdom, for discernment, for all of those things, we know that we can trust it because he is the same and he is faithful. And the second thing is one of the primary ways we worship God and again, the fear of the Lord is worshiping God. One of the ways we worship God is through obedience. It's through 
obedience. And again, the biggest difference between knowledge and wisdom is action. And so all of this, all is super, super important as we are considering what the book of Proverbs means, what wisdom means, and as we continue on our life understanding the book of Proverbs. And so with that little background in mind, I want to bring us to verse 5, which is my big focus for the rest of our time together this morning. Solomon writes, Let the wise listen and add to their learning. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. And the word I want us to focus in on, I want to hone in on this morning, is the word add. Because I think so often we can get stuck. We often get stuck in different phases of our life. We become complacent, we become content. You come to church every Sunday for the past five years and you think, I'm in a good spot. I don't really need to grow anymore. You know, I'm, I'm kind of doing well. I don't, that daily training's good, but you know, I did it a few years ago, so I don't need to do it again. I don't need to change. I'm content, I'm good. And we start to think we have less room to grow or to add to our knowledge, to add to our understanding of who God is and our maturity. And the next thing you know, the person that you are five years from now is the same person that you are today. There's been no growth, no change. You might wonder where the time has gone. Maybe the questions we need to ask ourselves today regarding wisdom and regarding our growth is, am I growing? Am I adding to my knowledge of God, to my wisdom? Am I, am I growing? In the past five years, how have I changed to become more like Jesus? Where do I need to grow? Where do I need to challenge myself? Five years from now, even, if I'm going at the pace I'm going today, am I going to be happy with the person that I'm becoming? And perhaps this word from Solomon right here and this word adding really sticks out to me is because I heard another proverb from another speaker one time as he was sharing a message with me when I was being complacent and stuck in a moment in my life. I was dating Emily at the time, and I was a senior at Asbury. And uh, for the past two years, I'd been noticing that I wasn't really feeling myself. You know, life was good. I was loving Asbury, and I was getting a lot of great experiences, but I was always feeling off. Didn't feel myself. And so as I was dating Emily, she was interning at this church. They met at a um, restaurant on the second floor, just right above it on Sunday nights, and um, there were about 20 people that would meet at this church. And Emily would lead worship, and it was a really cool atmosphere of a bunch of people just hungry and on fire for the Lord. And that night, they had a guy who was um, sharing his testimony. He was ex-military, and I can't exactly remember the, the branch that he was in, but I really, really remember the message that he shared. It can be summarized in two words. Complacency kills. Complacency kills. If you're thinking about this again as a proverb, it's a pretty intuitive message, especially if you consider the fact that he was in the military. And as he shared about it, his, his experience, he talked about how this message was drilled into his head over and over and over and over again. Because if he was to lose focus for one second while he was in combat or overseas or doing any mission objective that he was trying to do, that lack of focus or that contentment thinking that, oh, everything's been good for the past 20 days, the 21st day is going to be the same, he said it could ultimately lead to him losing his life. And complacency could literally kill. But as he was sharing this message, he said that this complacency, of course, 
That makes sense in the, his physical life with his life um, in, on earth, but it also connects to our spiritual life. That if we become complacent, if we just continue to go through the motion, motions and we're not trying to challenge ourselves and become more and more like Jesus every single day, we're slowly going to keep fading. And eventually that complacency and that contentment will kill our spiritual lives as well. And as I was sitting there listening to him explain that, I was starting to connect the dots and realize why I wasn't feeling myself. Why I wasn't on fire for God like I was my freshman year of college or my later years of high school. And why I wasn't, you know, just that joyous person who was always excited to do all the things. Because I'd become complacent. I was like, you know, I'm, I'm learning all these things. I'm getting good grades on my ministry classes, you know, and I know all this stuff. I'm in a good spot. I don't need to be vulnerable anymore. I don't need to challenge myself, you know. I, I, I get it all. And if I were to ask those questions, am I growing? Or am I the person that I wanted to be at this point in my life? I probably wouldn't have been happy with my answers. So this kind of starts bring us to our daily training today, and I I promised myself that I wasn't, when I was tasked to speak on January 2nd, I promised myself I wasn't going to do a New Year's resolution message. But here I am, kind of doing a New Year's resolution message, but uh, bear with me for all of you who are anti-goal-making on New Year's, and you're like, we should make goals all the time. You're right, and don't worry, the daily training is not make a New Year's resolution. We'll make it a bit more specific. But my daily training today is going to revolve around writing a letter to God. Got this out of a book I'm reading recently, and, and more specifically, I want you to write a letter to God reflecting on where you have been this past year or past two years and where you were hoping to go. And I want you to be honest, and I want you to reflect on a few of those questions that I've mentioned so far. Maybe even start off with this one. Who am I? Am I growing? How did I grow this past year? Did I grow at all this past year? Where do I need to grow? Where am I being complacent? Where am I just going through the motions? Where do I need to challenge myself and be more vulnerable? And after reflecting on that, I want you to look to the future and answer this question. Who do I want to be five years from now, and how can I get there? And as you're writing this letter, this prayer to God, I'd really encourage you to take your time on this. Don't just rush through it, and don't just put the most, you know, base level thing that you know you need to grow on. Don't just, it's good if you need to read your Bible more, but go deeper than that. And really pray and ask God to reveal and open up your mind um, and let him speak to your heart about the ways that you need to challenge yourself and the ways that you're being complacent. And even further, I'd encourage you to not just write this letter and forget about it, but maybe read it every month the first of every month, and just remind yourself, hey, I know where I want to go, and I know I need the Lord for this, so Lord, I need to be intentional. Help me to be intentional my, my, with my relationship with you and my relationship with others. Help me, help me to not just gain this knowledge, but to act on it and live wisely. And what I love about this challenge is that every one of our letters is going to look different. That first half when we're reflecting, we're all going through different struggles. Like I, like I mentioned, some of us might be struggling with just our basic prayer and reading scripture. And we know we need to get back into God's word. Or we, need, we need to protect and guard that quiet time that we used to protect. 
Or maybe this past year you've been really angry and frustrated and bitter, and you want God to help you have love, joy, and peace again. Or maybe this past year you've just felt not yourself like I did when I was in college, and you feel distant from God and you don't feel that fire you used to. And this letter, this prayer could just be a a crying out to God saying you need him and you want to rekindle that relationship with him and be more intentional in everything you do. But what I want every single one of our goals to be on the flip side of that, that five years from now, all of us need to be doing two things, striving for two things, to look more like Jesus and to grow in wisdom. To look more like Jesus and to grow in wisdom. I mentioned earlier that the writer of Proverbs, Solomon, was at one point in time regarded as the wisest person to ever live. God blessed him with this gift of wisdom. He, was, he said, what do you want? And Solomon said, I want to be wise. And he was pursuing the Lord, and God blessed him with this wisdom, and it led him to great wealth, and he was the king of Israel, and he, was, he just had all the things, wealthiest, knowledge, wisdom. He could have anything he wanted. But he grew complacent with that. He grew content with his wealth and his knowledge, and he thought that all of that stuff mattered more than growing in wisdom and adding to the wisdom and knowledge like we're supposed to. So much to the point that he started to turn from God, and he disobeyed the things that God wanted him to do. He became complacent, and the end of the story was not as beautiful as the beginning of the story. So my challenge for all of us this year is to not be okay with complacency, to not be okay with staying in the same place and going through the motions and just showing up on a Sunday and nodding your head or maybe mouthing the words to a song, but to really dive in, be intentional, grow in wisdom, and grow closer to the Lord. I want to close our time together by reading a prayer that Paul writes to the letter uh, to the church in Philippi. This is Paul's prayer. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God.